Welcome to Building Sustainability, the podcast that brings you interviews with designers, builders, makers, dreamers and doers, exploring the wide world of sustainability in the built environment by talking to wonderful people who are doing excellent things. I'm your host, Jeffrey Hart. This is part two of Natural Building Conversations with Will Stanitz. The questions that were posed are, what do you call your job? Is natural building cheap? Uh, What advice would you give to the younger version of yourself? Big mistakes you've made? Favourite product, favourite natural building product? Best natural building books? And whether you prefer wet trades or dry trades? It is, once again, pretty geeky. We laugh a lot. We go down rabbit holes. Yeah, I think it's a good one. So that's it for me. I'll be back at the end. Enjoy. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. What advice... Would you give the younger version of yourself who is just getting into natural building? Oh, man. (laughs) Loads. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Like, one of my first natural building jobs, uh, after I'd done... I did a lot of builds for people for for next to nothing or for free just Mm. to to learn, which I I think is really good advice. Uh, So I did that. But I don't need to tell myself that because I've already done it. <laughs> but, but after I'd done a load of those, uh, my first sort of, my second sort of proper job was a huge, um, uh, like like barn conversion, and it was all on day rates, and so there was hardly any stress, and it was all, it was all really nice, and uh, it, it was, just went so well, and. Um, Dan Stickland was working for me and he said to me, you'll never get another job like this, mate. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, they're, they're not all going to be like this, you know. I was like, yeah, well, this is this is natural building. This is fine, it's lovely. And then, yeah, they're not all like that. <laughs> so I would tell myself not to be so naive. <laughs> uh, to manage, I would probably tell myself to manage my expectations and clients expectations a lot better mm. uh and try not to please everybody well so that's I used a, to, that's a good one i know i just used to get into this thing where i wanted everybody to be happy which is not you know it's not a bad thing but it's not always possible yeah and it means that you work yourself into the ground exactly and I, like you financially ruin yourself exactly so yeah you 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 pay the cost then rather than everybody having a small compromise mm. you make everybody else happy apart from yourself um uh what else i would I've say definitely definitely done that one my younger self would have heeded that advice 
Well, yeah. you should have done. Yeah. Oh, and the other thing is, don't lift such heavy things, you idiot. <laughs> like, do you know, my I I like five years ago, I had two ruptured discs, mm. and it's just from it was just from overuse of my body in my yeah. younger days, uh, and they just eventually gave up. And um, so, take care of your body better. Like, stretch, do Pilates. Mm. but when you're 20 you just don't take that seriously do you because your body does anything and then all of a sudden you're 30 and your body can't do that the bits start falling off yeah and I was that idiot who would lift five bags of cement and stupid things like that Um, yeah yeah so probably my biggest one would be take care of your body more I think in defence in your defence I think uh, it's sort of part of building site culture uh certainly sort of conventional building sites is that like you know be the biggest be the toughest carry the most uh, yeah yeah so yeah it's breaking that that culture is a, a bigger thing especially yeah. when you're just starting out and you know you're trying to trying to fit in and not not be like the the sort of uh i don't know not be the whiny one going, oh, oh, I just don't want to pick up that. Well, it's funny because I've had some younger guys working with me recently and I've said to them, like, don't lift that, don't lift two of them. Mm. Just I'm telling you not to do it because it will do your back in. And they, and they go, no, no, I'm fine. I'm like, but you're, you're str- I can see you're struggling. I'm not lifting two. I'm only lifting one because I've already paid the price. Yeah. Like, don't do it. No, no, I'm fine. Don't, don't worry about me. And then I just say, even if you say to them, like, don't do it, they're still doing it. And I was just like, oh, that was me. That was just consume myself. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's mostly about looking after yourself and managing, don't trying to please everybody. It's just be more realistic, you know. It's, it's very... Uh, it's very easy to be in natural building when you start and think oh this is all brilliant and everything works and it's all so fantastic mm. but you've just got to be a little bit more cautious i've had I've, I've come a cropper a couple of times with people uh selling me materials and saying yeah these these work yeah and then they don't work <laughs> i did a massive job it's in the it's in the hempcrete book I did a massive job in bristol when i was sold hemp and binder from from uh, from from a supplier as hemp and binder to build yeah. a hempcrete house, and it was a new binder, and there was no cement in it, and there was no hydraulic lime. Uh, well, it was a man-made hydraulic lime, but it was based on hydrated lime, all English materials, and isn't it wonderful? And um, because I wanted to build hempcrete houses with hyd- with hydrated lime, mm. you know, without cement, I just believed it all. So, oh, yeah, this is brilliant. And so I said to the architect, we're going to use this, it's brilliant. And so, you know, the architect, I was the expert, so the architect didn't argue with me. And then we built, We it was a big, we did, did the frame, well, it was an oak frame, we did sort of a subframe for the hempcrete to go around. It was 55 cubic metres of hempcrete, and we got to the very top gable, um, like within 10 days or something, and then one whole huge flank wall of the house just fell down. The hempcrete just fell out. <laughs> I was just like, oh dear, there goes my profit. <laughs> and uh, it was so stressful. It was really stressful for me because I wasn't going to walk away from it. I, I was going to fix it. Mm. And, I, and I wasn't... And obviously for the client, it's really stressful because they don't know what's going on. Um you know, it's all, you know, their, this is their, their dream house, whatever. Yeah. And uh, the, the problem was that the, somebody who was, well, well the, the hemp had too much dust in it. The hemp farmer had been told, well, I was told, but the hemp farmer had been told to leave the dust in because it would be better for the hempcrete, which is obviously not because the dust soaks up all the moisture or additional moisture and then you don't have enough moisture for the lime to set. Yeah. In addition to that, the lime binder didn't set quick enough at all. It was it was supposed to be a man-made hydraulic lime, so it was hydrated lime with with some sort of pozzolan or additive that made it set quicker. Yeah. And the thing was that 
the hempcrete at the bottom was being asked to hold up all of the hempcrete above it over you know the, the gable was three stories high because it's two stories plus a gable yeah so the hempcrete at the very bottom wasn't strong enough by ten, within 10 days for, for to take the weight of everything above it bearing in mind that the hempcrete above it is wet and containing water mm. so that was slumping and it wasn't getting enough moisture to set properly um and yeah and it just it so it just fell down and oh. so not only did i have to redo it at my own cost well the he- the, he- the the hemp was supplied again for free the person who made the binder which was hyperlime robin gibb he wouldn't he wouldn't pay for it he wouldn't even he he just wouldn't even acknowledge it yeah so i had to buy a load more binder um and now they don't hyperlime doesn't do hempcrete binder anymore <laughs> Although they said they did, and they sold it to me and said it was fine. No, they don't seem to do it anymore, because obviously it doesn't work. So, yeah. yeah, I was just so willing to use something so natural, because the other binders have, a por- the other commercial binders that were available at the time have had a portion of cement in. Yeah. And, but what the cement does is it sets, within 20, it sets strong enough within 24 hours to hold up the stuff above it. So all it's doing is is being in there if if you wanted to build really slowly you could take the cement out mm. it's fine but because we we were contracted and i'm talking like 600 mil every two weeks so really right, slowly really slow. whereas we could go two meters in 24 hours so when you're being paid commercially to to do hempcrete you you really need to know you really need you need to be able to go quickly and you need to know that it's going to stay up obviously yeah um so, so the, I should have asked more questions about the binder. How high can I go in a day? How, how many buildings have you built with it? Have you tested it? Can I see a building you built with it? Have you got any references? Yeah. That sort of commercial-minded uh, way rather than, like, the idealistic way. Yeah, exactly. It taught me, it taught me a big lesson. It was... I bet. Like getting, I had to get all that out of the building... You know, and, and people who were building with me, they some some Rob came back and really helped, and some others came back and helped. But most people didn't want to know, and so I was, you know, I was paying people to get rid of it. And then I was, and then there is this thing right about hempcrete, and they say, oh, because it's natural, you can just, you know, you can just compost it, or it's really easy to get rid of in if if you ever if the building ever falls down. I was like, well, actually, it's not. <laughs> Because the way waste management works these days is it wasn't it wasn't hardcore because it had hemp in it. Yeah. And it wasn't green waste because it had lime in it. Right. So I had to pay for it to get got rid of as like commercial waste. And I was like, but but it's just hemp and lime (laughs) So but then what the dump did with it, this huge dump, I I got two huge 40-yard skips that came on the back of a lorry, hmm. put all this stuff in, and they used it to put on all their roadways around this big dump site. Right. It's a huge commercial dump. And they said it, they said it was really good because it, it sort of didn't... It let the water drain through it, but it didn't turn to mush. Right. So somewhere there's somewhere in Bristol, there's a, there's a Lime Creek, uh, Hemp Creek Road... <laughs> <laughs> wow paving the way so, yeah and then i had to obviously pay to redo the whole thing and um yeah ouch that really hurt <laughs> those those lessons like leaving your tools in your van just just for one night i'm sure it'll be fine oh it's yeah, not fine not, no. it's not fine and it's the tool it's the tools that that you can't replace that you've had an old hammer for like 20 years and it just yeah. feels just right in your hand it's not like the new saw you got, although that that you know you want that back. It's the ones that you literally can't get mm. get again. How about how about you? What would you? That I mean, definitely don't leave tools in a van ever. <laughs> uh, and I think uh, the well, I think because you know you sort of as you do more and more jobs, you accumulate like a new tool, a job, uh, and it just sort of builds up, and you go from mm. being like you know just a, a sort of builder working for people to running your own jobs Mm. and that sort of happens quite quite sort of uh gradually and seamlessly and because that happened i didn't really realize quite how many tools i'd acquired i didn't have any insurance for them oh no yeah uh so yeah the whole lot went and oh what could i do 
Like the only thing they didn't steal was my Feztool uh, rail saw rails. And I've still got them, <laughs> even though I've never been able to afford to get any Feztool. <laughs> oh, no. When did, when did this happen? Uh, when was this? Like four years ago, five years ago? Oh, man. Yeah, it was devastating. And I'd, yeah, I think I'd just come off a really big job and was just like exhausted. And it's one of those, like, I'm sure it'll be all right just for today. Uh, too too exhausted to take things, like, halfway across London to my storage unit. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> meant I got to buy shiny new tools, which was like yeah. the, the small uh, silver lining within there. Yeah. But also, yeah, I mean, I think well, if I was talking to my younger self, I'd there'd be something about running a business and about how running a business isn't actually maybe as fun as it's made out to be mm. and yeah uh like you end up doing a lot of things which aren't the thing that you actually enjoy doing yeah yeah you think you want to when you're younger you think you want to be the man running or, or the woman indeed running the business yeah and then actually sometimes it's just nicer to be doing the job Definitely. to be doing the plastering or to... <laughs> yeah I don't want to be telling yeah. people to plaster something. I want to be just plastering it. Yeah, that's that's yeah. Whether I'd listen though, my younger self. Oh, you don't. Well, I had, I I had uh, this uh, um, a good friend of mine, Emma Emma Winfield. She... I know Emma. I laid her yeah. a, uh, a floor just recently in her house in Bristol. Oh, did you the flat? Yeah. Oh, yeah. nice. On top yeah, of the hempcrete. Uh, yes. So it was going to be. I did the hempcrete. Did you? Hey. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was going to be an earth floor and then um, she decided she was going to, I think she rented out that place uh, and has gone to France. Well, I, don't, I don't know what she's yeah, doing. Yeah, she's got a really nice place in France. I've been watching her on Facebook. Oh, yeah. Nice. Um, but yeah, she decided to get these um, flag, uh, what are they called? Terracotta flagstone type things and do a... Um, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, do a sort of brick bond floor and then, yeah, water waterproof sealed all of the... Uh, the tiles it looks really really nice i've got some photos oh wow but um was that on what just on mortar on top of the hemp yeah so we did it with a lime lime mortar i think some was it all hempcrete some of it was earth floor like compacted earth maybe there was there was maybe there's a compacted earth base layer on top of the hemp over the hempcrete yeah that yeah um so yeah uh so i did that it was Oh, nice. It was good. Yeah, I did that. I did her hempcrete extension out the back. Eh, yeah, nice. Yeah. Well, I did bits of it. I did the hempcrete. I can't remember if I did the frame. I might have done the frame. Did a hempcrete ceiling in that one. That was really cool. With a, all around this skylight. Mm. Did you not know that, it, that I'd worked on that then when you did it? Maybe I did. We talked quite a lot about different natural builders and uh, the, mm. their interesting tendencies. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, well, Emma used to... Um, she worked for me quite a lot in the beginning of Hempline Construct, and she taught me a lot about clay paints and th- clay paints and things like that. Um, mm. And she is a bit more business savvy, and she used to say to things to me like, "You know, you're going to make that jump between a small business, and then you, you, you know, once you get more than four people, you're going to be running people, not the job, like not doing the job. You'll be managing people, and it's really difficult, and you've got to plan for it." And I didn't listen at all. And then it happened. I was like, oh, why didn't I listen to Emma? <laughs> uh, what's your favourite natural building product from a supplier, like like an actual product? Oh, it's got to be uh, Glapor foam glass uh... aggregate. Is that a natural? I mean, it's maybe on the cusp of being... Yeah, it's in lots of natural buildings, so... It's definitely, like, the least worst uh, underground insulation. I mean, I think it's brilliant. It's made from yeah. recycled glass and it's... Um... Yeah, the, the one... Isn't there one that's made from recycled car windscreens? Yeah, I think that's that's the one. That's Glaypool. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Uh, yeah, and for people that don't know what it is, it's like a... Uh, they melt the glass and then blow air through it so it becomes like a, a honeycomb. So it's really insulative uh, and also it's free-draining so uh, mm. moisture can't come upwards. So yeah, that, I think... If I didn't have that, I don't know what I'd do for insulation below an earth floor. Yeah. Uh, 
because all the other options are like uh was it pumice so sort of stone that's sort of naturally a bit like that yeah uh there's the leaker isn't there the clay what clay balls oh yeah yeah where yeah. they sort of like they act a bit like a ball pond you can't really compact them together yeah and they're probably, there's probably more chance, although you can get the coated leaker, which is supposed to not wick up moisture, there's probably more chance that it does wick up moisture. Yeah. Because it's like dry clay balls. Like baked. Yeah, they're, they're baked. The clay dropped through a kiln, so in droplets, so they're like, and they expand right. to almost like Maltesers. Like when you go to the they airport. They do look exactly like Maltesers. Yeah. When you go to the <laughs> airport and stuff, they're, they're those funny little things you see in all the big plant pots, the little granules. Yeah. And uh, but you can buy leaker and coated leaker, light expanded clay aggregate, and the coated stuff is supposed to not wick moisture because it's coated in something that's water repellent. Right. But I don't know how well that works and how well you can actually coat millions of tiny little balls. Yeah. Does the uncoated stuff, if it comes into contact with water, does it turn to mush? No, because it's fired. Okay. It's fired. It's been fired. So, it's dropped through a kiln, so, so it's been fired. So it won't turn to mush, but um, it could because it's like a like brick essentially. It can. It could soak up moisture. Right. Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I've only ever used it uh, as a in like tiny little details within straw houses, like underneath the the bottom straw bale. Yeah, I think I've mostly stopped using it. It's also really, it's quite difficult. That stuff. You can buy a pallet of it. And it's reasonably priced. Or you can buy one bag and it's yeah. extortionate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you, it's almost worth buying a pallet. Yeah. For, like, if you need more than about five or ten bags, you might as well buy a whole pallet worth. Yeah, and then you have a whole so pallet, like same. half a bag yeah. sitting around forever, don't you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I like that, that re, uh, foam glass. It's, mm. And it's come down so much in price. Yeah. And they do the blocks of it as well um yeah we used the the blocks of it in our foundation we had a so a, a double skin brick wall uh which the, the bales then sat on top of and we just removed the entire inner leaf and put a single piece of uh the block foam glass uh, oh, nice. and it was it was fiddly to to get it installed yeah. but once it was it was great like load bearing yeah non-wicking yeah insulating yeah does it all doesn't it yeah and can be in moisture so yeah it's sort of a bit of a dream material for me yeah what, what's your what's your oh yeah product? um i have to say the stuff i used in my house the wood fiber board by lime green oh yeah the warm shell because it's natural it's ridiculously insulating it's really easy to use and because it's got the bba certificate you can just you can like build stuff out of other stuff that doesn't you know can't be used externally and then you just wrap it in the wood fiber board yeah and the building inspectors are right because you can give them a little bba certificate so it's it's an, it's like foam glass was a bit of a game changer in terms of what you do at the ground mm. the the wood fiber board's a bit of a game changer in that it, it's got the bba so you can use it over hempcrete or over straw bale or over cordwood or over cob and it's yeah or in conventional or or in conventional yeah i think that's probably one of its its big draws for me is that it's it's not like a little woo woo hippie product it's just like it can go straight on to more conventional building sites and be a direct substitute yeah my friend did a uh, extension in king langley and he did timber frame plasterboard on the inside rock wool insulation between the timbers and then the wood fiber board on the outside mm. uh with a render i think and yeah it's but really it's actually really it's because it's it's not i don't think it's it's not cheap in terms of like it's a cheap product but because your labor is so massively reduced because it's so quick and easy to use that's yeah. what makes it a good option so yeah i like that one although cutting it's a bit of a faff it makes a lot of dust that's my only gripe yeah. with it. I don't know. Does it? I never. Do you go? Do you go for a skill saw, circular saw? I use you... a battery circular saw first, 
and then finish with the handsaw because it usually doesn't go all the way through. Yeah. Is it? I guess it is. I guess it is a bit dusty. The amount of fluff that came off those. Mm. I think I might have killed a um, <laughs> battery circular saw just by really filling it with fluff. Yeah, there is... Um, Mafel do a saw which is a bit like a chain mortiser. I've seen those. Which is just... They do one, a special one for the wood fibre board, which sucks mm. out, which has an attachment which sucks all the dust uh, into a hoover or something. Yeah. Apparently, uh, M- Mighty's got one. He obviously knows he's he like, he had to buy it. <laughs> no, he had to get it imported specially from Germany. I, don't, I, haven't, I haven't used it, but yeah, that, I guess if you're doing tons of it, that would be the thing to get, wouldn't it? Yeah. I've, yeah, I've not used them, so I don't know how, how effective they are, but. I'd have a go. Yeah. They look fun. Yeah, <laughs> they look like you could lose a finger pretty easily yeah. as well. <laughs> um, I mean, you're probably a bit uh, biased on this one, uh, but what's the best natural building book? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think. Uh, four. Does it have to be one book? <laughs> go on, go for a few then. What's your top top three? Oh, it's, it really depends what you're doing. Mm. It depends if you're looking for inspiration or in which case, though, you know, what you're saying, those Lloyd Kahn books are really good. Or if you're actually wanting instruction on like a certain thing, then you need a much more focused little book. The one I've been recommending most. So for somebody, for somebody who's getting into natural building and a lot of people, they want to clay plaster is one of the, Mm. one of the first things people want to do and the book i would recommend for that is james henderson's earth plasters and renders because it's very small very concise and he just gets straight to the point um doesn't fluff around he he's a builder himself so he explains it really rationally um Mm. because you're a builder do you think that's why you get on with it would someone who's not a builder would they find it like a slightly more challenging language no i don't think so no i think i think the fa- so so you've got other, i've read other books that are about clay plastering and they're really big and they've got all these beautiful pictures and they're more of a coffee top table they never really actually tell you how to clay plaster they'll tell you all mm. this information about what clay does and but this book is if you want a clay plaster buy the book and some buy that book and some clay and some straw or get dig some clay and go and get some straw um and you'll be able to do it. I mean, you might not learn every scientific fact about clay, but do you really need to if you want to? No, if you want to plaster, maybe just for us geeks. Yeah. <laughs> so, I was just really impressed with that book, um, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's the best natural building book. I don't know if there is one because there's not many that cover the whole of natural building mm. very well because they're mostly written by people who have one speciality. And then know a bit about all the other things. Yeah. So, but the ones the ones I'm really getting on with, the, there's that one, which I've read so many times. Um, Franz Vollard's Light Earth Construction. Oh, yeah. That's really good. Um, Is that, was he the chap that talked at Clayfest? Yes, that's right, yeah. Yes, Clay, he was great. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed that. Yeah, he his book, Light Earth Construction, is brilliant. It talks about, well, light earth, like straight, lighter clay blocks, like mainly straw. But then there's wood chip. But he talks about how to how to produce it, how to make the moulds. He talks about plastering. Then there's loads of construction details in there, which I love. I'm a right geek for construction details. <laughs> um, so yeah, that that's a really good one. Japan's clay walls, Emily Reynolds. I love that book. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, then, then there is actually a load of books by Historic England called Practical Building Conservation. Okay. And that's uh, Rebecca got me one on um, lime when I first started lime plastering. And it's really good because I'd, be, I'd been plastering for a while and I'd read it and then I'd go, oh, that's why I do this or that's why the lime. <laughs> it's a bit more technical and scientific, but it, it, it sort of explains that you sort of think, oh, that's why I'm doing this and that and the other. So it's a yeah. whole series of practical cons- conservation, which is, which is basically all natural building. There's a there's one on wood, there's one on earth and terracotta, there's one on lime. Yeah, heritage building was natural. Yeah, was exactly. All, all we had. Yeah, so that's a really good book. 
Um, and then there's Tom Woolley does. He's got quite a few good books, which are about very scientific. Uh, there's one um, building materials and indoor air quality, Ooh. which is like if you want to hit some people with some facts, you just yeah. you can grab them all out that book and go. Well, did you know? Bloody 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I know that doesn't really answer the question, but. No, it's a tough one, and it, I've been racking my brains as uh, as you've been talking. Like, yeah. Kai, if he asks me now what I think, yeah. I've I'm got, in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> I've got others. I've got I've got the one by Gernot Minka, Earth Construction, which is really yeah. useful. Um, I've got the Lloyd Kahn Shelter. I mean, all of the Lloyd Kahn books, are, they they've really created sort of me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, they're, they're so yeah. they're, if you want an idea or you want a bit of inspiration yeah. just have a look in one of them you know, just, they're brilliant definitely um, one that uh, I don't know if it's that sort of common over here but uh, Chris Magwood my hero uh, he's got a book called Making Better Buildings oh yeah and what's really good about that is that it's divided up into all the sections of a house so it starts with foundations uh, it just oh. lists all the different types of foundations that you can do. And then it's got a graph, which is like, you know, how much effort it's going to be, how much cost it's going to be, how much sort of carbon it emits, uh, you know, the lifespan, all this sort of stuff. And it just every every uh, you know, option, it will give you that little table. Yeah. So you can just go through and like pick, all right, well, I'm going to do that foundation. And then it's like, oh, my, my plaster is going to be right. Well, I'll pick it from those ones. It's really nice. Um, so yeah, really sort of scientific, uh, smart way of picking your materials. I've not heard that. Um, I've not heard of that book. Oh, that sounds really cool. It's it's a good one. Great reference. Uh, yeah, and obviously you don't get a full, in depth. Uh, yeah, it won't teach you how to clay plaster, but it talks of the, the difficulties, the the strengths. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's it. You sort of you need a good you, starting point. Yeah. So you need books for starting points, don't you? Like. That, that that sort of tell you about all the different options but not in detail mm. and then if you want to specifically do something you then need to go to the book like for instance if you wanted to hempcrete you'd go and get the hempcrete book <laughs> yeah available from all good bookstores <laughs> god you've, um, you've just used this to promote your book your new mixer hire yeah. <laughs> I know your game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Books. I just the, the the one Japanese clay walls by Emily Reynolds. I think is really good because it's a really different. It's written really differently. She's very first person, mm. and she's gone to Japan from America, I think, and she's been clay plastering out there and learning about the sakans, the 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 earth. Well, they basically make these earth walls and plaster them. So she's like describing what she does and what and what they're doing, but she doesn't always know why they're doing it because okay. she, she's learning as well, and she's just describing all these different things. So you have to, you, but you can sort of work out, you can sort of work out why they're doing it from from reading it. Hmm. So it's really it's a really different it's a really different way of reading a book. It's like it's like you're almost having a conversation with her. Yeah. Um, nice and it's one of the only books i've read that doesn't say like i'm the expert this is what you do sort of thing oh yeah that irks me something chronic yeah. like this is the only way that you can plaster yeah oh, yeah no no <laughs> yeah There's so many different ways with so many different outcomes yeah james oh. henderson's is good as well because he doesn't do that he references other people a lot mm. um so i respect that okay dry or dry work or wet work because you're Ooh. you're you're similar to me in that you do woodwork and things yeah. like that, but you also do wet trades. So I should say wet trades or dry trades. Which which is your favourite? Oh, it really depends. Uh, I mean, it depends is always the answer, isn't it? <laughs> like, it's, there's no like hard and fast. I I mean, I in, I really enjoy being able to mix it up, uh, yeah. and and the fact that I've done all the carpentry means that when it gets to the plastering i'm going to be happier because i haven't left loads yeah. of ridiculous details yeah uh, well i might not have left all <laughs> ridiculous details um yeah i t there's something incredibly satisfying about plastering like when you've got 
quite a busy wall that's maybe like a patchwork of different materials yeah, yeah. and it's really like it's quite you know you're you're not soothed in any way to be near it yeah and then you put a coat of plaster over and it all goes smooth yeah and it goes one color and like there's a just a calming feeling uh i really love that yeah yeah that so maybe it's that but i also i mean i love screwing together bits of wood and like making a (laughs) it's like a really basic that was what i enjoyed as a kid like just finding nails and bits of wood and like hammering them together yeah i love watching my son do that it's brilliant yeah yeah do you think he's gonna gonna be a builder i don't know if he i think he's a bit too clever to be a builder i don't know know if that's me he's (laughs) not not like us dickies yeah no he's he's very uh philosophical as well as good with his hands yeah Yeah, he make he's been making these marble runs in the garden recently i bought him like i buy him things like for christmas he got a glue gun and Mm. he loves it (laughs) he just glues stuff together and he had a tool set and you know um, he's making these marble runs out of all these different things and the marble you put put the marble in at the top somewhere and it goes down all these different tubes and different things and ends up in a bucket at the bottom and nice. some of them I look at and I'm like how did you how did you come up with that <laughs> I couldn't even see how that would work and I'm like that's not going to work after that it's not going to work like you're just going to end up in tears and it's not going to work oh it's worked oh well done <laughs> I, I, my aunt I would be like for other people I'll do the wet work, and for myself, I'll do the dry work. Ooh. Because I, like, I don't like making wooden things for other people. And it's a bit like, I don't know. I, I don't know, but I love plastering for other people. But mm. I hate plastering for myself because I'm like, oh, I just can't be bothered with a mess. Whereas when you're doing it <laughs> on a building site, you could just walk away from the mess. <laughs> so, That's a really interesting yeah. reason. <laughs> I, don't, I, sort of, I do a lot of... I, I make a lot of furniture for myself out of wood but I don't do any for other people well very rarely do it for other people mm. and I do lots of plastering for other people but I don't often do it for myself like even when I built the house I got another plaster in to do all the ceilings because I just right. looked at them and thought I cannot be bothered to do this <laughs> um, so, I could yeah. understand that with ceilings yeah. uh, just the the taste of plaster after a while just gets boring. Yeah, although now I'm getting into all the clay. Uh, when I built the house, I wasn't really into all the clay as much, so now I might actually go over a lot of it with clay. Mm. What is it? Gypsum? The ceiling's Egyptian, but this, the the ceilings are gypsum. The walls are lime, except there is still an exposed earth block wall, and there are a couple of the hallways uh, gypsum. Those are running out yeah. of time. Go on, make some mess. Go on. Yeah. Or, you know, just work like Rebecca and just work cleanly and calmly and zen in the art of plastering. She plasters cleaner than I make a cup of tea. (laughs) (laughs) I try, I do try, and I'm getting better. and I'm a lot better for working with her. Um, Yeah. And actually, it's really important. If you you make your mix really well, it's actually a lot easier to be cleaner because it stays on your trowel and on the wall a lot more, doesn't it? Yeah. I have to be really strict with myself to be clean as I'm working. Yeah. Because I'm so... I think I get so focused and carried away with, like, doing the thing. Yeah. That that I can tend to forget that actually being able to get to the wall and not stand on stuff is, like, really important. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's obvious. Uh, but, yeah, I just get excited. <laughs> yeah. I can understand that. Um, like, here's a here's a question. When people ask you... What do you do? What's your stock answer? <laughs> I don't have one. It depends <laughs> who they are, I guess. I, like I, if you, I don't know, if you met someone like at a wedding, so like no, no sort of professional connection. Well, I would say I never say I'm a natural builder. I say I uh, I build with natural materials. Mm-hmm. So I might say. So I'd usually say, oh, I, I build with natural building materials. Um, that's probably the most used. But then if I want to sound like I do, like I'm a bit more than that, I say, oh, I also design the building. I also design some buildings and design and make the buildings. Yeah. So, but normally I just say, 
I, I build with natural building materials. And ah. then, then they, they, you get into a whole discussion about what they are and what benefits they are. And, or but or they say, have you seen that uh, Grand, Grand Design? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you have to be really careful that you don't sound like you're preaching to people, though, don't you? Yeah. Like, it's hard because they're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so wrong. Yeah. But so many people have, don't, haven't even thought about the health of their materials like people who eat organic food because they don't want chemicals inside them haven't even thought about the chemicals around them in their building they're slapping the the paint on their uh well it always gets me when people are just about to have a baby and the the thing they do is they go and redecorate the the kids room in like this toxic so bad yeah and then they put they put a wi-fi baby talker right next to the bed just just to really blast the brain with waves (laughs) when it's developing (laughs) yeah Uh, i think i've i've sort of developed it to be i'm a builder i build eco homes and i specialize in natural materials oh that's a good one that sounds a bit more professional i might have to use that but saying eco homes within our industry is sort of like saying i build concrete homes yeah yeah it doesn't mean anything anymore does it no but to to sort of the outside world i think they um that's what they they kind of get yeah love it all right, well, you can have that one. Yeah, thanks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is one that I really want to know. Okay. okay. What are your top tips for running a build with volunteers or learners? Because you're one of the few people who have ever seen do it well. Right. <laughs> you just seem so comfort, com- comfortable in the zone, in the sort of... We'll be back after a quick break. Hey there, I'm Mick from the Mick and Pat Show. That's right, and I'm Pat. Looking for a podcast that's like catching up with old friends? Well, you're in luck. We're here to bring you weekly doses of lifestyle commentary, discuss culture and politics, and top it off with the occasional beer and film reviews. But it's not just about us. We're a community. Our listeners are our kin, and we let you all have a say in what we discuss. So saddle up and join the conversation at the Mick and Pat Show. You can check out our website or find us wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. yeah, I guess uh, fundamentally you've got to go in with a very different mindset to running a job. Like they're not employees. Uh, you know, they're they're generally there for many different reasons. Mm. Uh, so you can't have the same the same sort of expectations, and and also you just need to think of a like a timeline. And then double it, and then add a bit more. <laughs> and and if you've done that, then it's not stressful because um, yeah. yeah, if you're if you're trying to make people who don't really know what they're doing and aren't necessarily like builders, yeah, uh, like try and do it fast and well, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like just taking being really patient, I think um, is probably the other thing. Try and like don't be afraid to show someone describe it to them so like kind of you know give them a visual give them an explanation then let them go on it and then only half of what probably not even half like 10 percent of what you'd said before will go in then you've got to come back around Uh. and go over it again like speaking in a slightly different way yeah pointing out like if you're plastering like pointing out the the intricacies of like trowel angle or uh, you know, just how you're stood, for example. Like, you know, you can get a lot more pressure onto the wall if you're at the right height. Yeah. Rather than trying to, like, reach up the wall and you can't... Yeah. Yeah, you can't get the, the sort of... Uh, your weight behind it. So just, you know, repeating things and going round and... I guess you've got to not be scared to explain it a few times. Exactly, yeah. I always feel like I'm... If I explain it to people a few times, I feel like I'm... I always worry that I'm uh, making them feel stupid. Yes, that is, yeah, that is a difficult one. And that's why you sort of try and find a different language. Um, But also, yeah, really focusing on that, like, not just explaining it to them and expecting them to get it. Like, they need to have some time where they're doing it badly and, like, feeling what doing it wrong feels like. And, like, oh, this doesn't feel nice. So just expecting them to go straight to doing it well is, uh, yeah, is out. Yeah, that's a good point, because if you do it wrong and then you show them how to do it right and then you talk about the difference in the feeling that's actually a really yeah that's a really good tip 
tip that. But it's like uh, like Athena. Yeah it's, yeah, it's about the feelings and that, those sort of connections that you can make rather than just following an instruction blindly. Yeah. Well, I can't answer that question because I don't work with volunteers or <laughs> learners very well. <laughs> I struggle. <laughs> this is why I bought a spray machine. <laughs> nice. Just get them out. <laughs> uh, right, okay. I've got probably one last good one. And that is... what? Uh, I don't really know how to phrase it as a question, though. It's something about... Uh, the cost of natural building and uh. a lot of people I just received a message from uh, a very nice person just saying you know I've got 30 grand uh, can I build my four bedroom house uh, I want to use natural materials and did you say you can plaster it <laughs> <laughs> uh I well, I just gave an example of what what you could build for that much money if you're building it all yourself. Uh, yeah, and it's the the, I guess, we're constantly sort of bombarded on sort of Facebook with like, person mm. builds their own home for two hundred pounds. Yeah, uh, and it was natural materials, and everyone goes, oh, it's cheap. Uh, yeah, these people assume it's cheap, don't they? And there's yeah, certain people in the industry who have sort of sold natural materials as cheap. And then, yeah, I'm I'm sort of constantly having to disappoint people. Uh, uh, I'm supposed to be asking a question: Is natural building cheap? <laughs> well, it's it, it is really interesting because it can be really cheap, mm. uh, but it can also be can also be really expensive. Um, like I think one of the most expensive bits about it is the is the plastering. Um, yeah because it's mainly because not a lot of people do it sort of specialist plastering yeah so so lime or clay not a lot of people do and then if you if lots of people say i want it to look like gypsum mm. and so to get it to look like gypsum you need to be quite experienced at it and then if you're quite experienced at it you you don't want to work for nothing so your day rate is usually higher than somebody who does gypsum um and so it can't, but then there's the, so that can end up quite expensive, but then you can just say, well, why do you want it to look like gypsum? Why would you want it to look like gypsum? Like gypsum mm. looks like gypsum. Why don't you have, I mean, with natural plasters, you can have them looking like anything you like. Um, and some of the nicest ones I've seen is people who aren't plasters have done it themselves in their own homes and they look incredible. Yeah. And they, they're just so touchy feely and full of texture and life and different colors and different shades and different textures. Something I'd be scared to try and do as a plasterer because I would think it was wrong but then you see someone who's done it and it just looks amazing and they've done it themselves yeah. with some material out the ground for next to nothing and you know they've got they, their stuff had too much clay in so it was shrinking and cracking so they were constantly pushing it back so it's ended up a really smooth but but mottled wall but then that looks really nice with the light so it, I guess it depends what you want as, as to whether it's expensive or not um, but then you can design out the plastering. Like I did a little garden studio for a guy in Bovingdon. It cost £15,000 uh, mm. and it's one quite big room. Uh, and the so the ceiling was like ash poles across. Yeah. And then we put, um, so they're about three or four hundred mil centres. The pole, ash poles were out of uh, his neighbour's wood. And they went across from one long wall to the other long wall, flat. Mm. And then we put hessian over the top of them and stapled it on top of the ash poles. And then on top of the hessian, we cast hempcrete. Right. Uh, and then when that was set and dry, we put a, a pond felt over it and then a pond liner. And right. so on, underneath, you just see these bubbles of um, hessian. They, they, you know, looks like... And you can paint it. I don't think he has painted the hessian, but you could paint the hessian if you wanted to. So you don't need to plaster it because it looks smooth. It's it's really yeah. nice. Uh, there's no there was no plywood used on the roof. It was just a car. You know the hempcrete is the structure and it is the insulation. Mm. Um, and because it's so breathable to the room, there's no plaster on it. You don't need. Um, and you've got it was a green roof above. I was I said it's a bit of a trial, but I don't think you're really going to need any sort of ventilation gap on top of the hempcrete it's uh what do you call that a warm warm roof 
when it's direct if there's no gap uh and the 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 hemp is continuous going up to up to the roof yeah well so you might worry that moisture vapor got through the hempcrete and hit the cold surface of the pond membrane and condensated mm. but it will only be certain times of year that would happen and my feeling is that the, the, the hempcrete was like 200 mil thick it it would be absorbed in the hempcrete if it were ever was a droplet of moisture yeah. there and it actually fine and and when, when the summer comes around and it all dries out it's it will be fine um but anyway so so you can design it to be cheap and you can design out certain materials if they are more expensive um i've seen lots of people use earth blocks without plaster on they just paint the earth blocks yeah because they look really nice so there's there's that there's that side of it are you trying to make it look like gypsum or are you actually trying to have a nice like a nice home that feels like a like a natural home mm-hmm. and then there's the who builds it side of it where <laughs> like i'm quite confident i can build houses relatively cheaply my house is at the lowest end of of what houses are built for and it's all natural but then i can understand that people trying to use people who haven't built with these materials before or sometimes I've come across where the main contractors are anti these sorts of materials mm. and it causes a bit of fraction and then things go wrong and, you know, it suddenly ends up costing the earth. And I've heard of some builds that cost a ridiculous amount. And I think, but how on earth does it cost that much? It's, it's hardly any different. Yeah. So I think, I think it really depends on what you're trying to achieve in terms of look and also um who builds it really yeah so i don't think it's necessary so the answer to is natural building cheap it it doesn't it's not necessarily but it can be <laughs> <laughs> or is it expensive yeah. i mean not necessarily but it can be i think yeah if you're paying someone to do a job then uh natural materials being less processed generally take more labor and therefore yeah, yeah it's any savings you might have on cheaper materials then go into labor yeah it sort of comes out about the same yeah but if you're going to do everything yourself then uh yeah then it's going to be cheap and it just probably will take a lot longer yeah yeah and no, i'll go with that a bit, bit quicker if you hire a spray machine or a big pan mixer though <laughs> oh and you also design buildings <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, nice. Uh, Have I, you got any more? I've got one or more, you... yeah. So I've only Go got on one then. more. What is your, and it's a quick one. What is your favourite natural building sound? Oh! What is my favourite natural building sound? It's maybe the the smoothing stroke when you're laying an earth floor. Uh, you sort of lay it all, tamp it all down and get it flat-ish. And then you come and, and sort of smooth it out and get it all level. And then you do one final pass, or I do anyway, one final pass with a um, like a stainless steel thin trowel. Yeah. And that sort of like shing yeah. that you get, that to me is like happiness. Yeah. It's so funny because mine, mine is on a wall doing the same thing <laughs> with my little stainless steel polishing trowel. But it makes, <laughs> it makes because it's not so flexible, it makes more of a squish, squish. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So nice. either that or the uh, or the uh, teaspoon in the teacup going ding a ling a ling as you <laughs> as you mix your tea. <laughs> do you um do you have sugar in your tea? No, I'm not a proper builder. Uh, well I've I'm not either. Uh, I've been I've been drinking green tea on my last build. Like, um but a uh, friend of mine he says that he's like really uh, musical as well. He says that when he puts his sugar in his tea and stirs it, uh, he can hear the change in sound no. as the uh, the tea like you know, changes its viscosity uh, as the the sugar absorbs. Really? Yeah. I'm going to try that. I mean, yeah. I never get an opportunity to to do that. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to come back talk in six months, and you're going to be like. 10 sugars in your tea (laughs) yeah i can hear it (laughs) yeah rob makes the best cup of teas you know rob moore yeah 
oh man, his cup of teas are to die for. That was just the most joyous sound on the bill. was like, ding-a-ling-a-ling, then Rob shouting, tea's up. <laughs> oh yes, Rob cup of tea. If he, he lived with us for a while uh, in Bovingdon and he, even Pam would say he just made the best cup of tea. So if he ever comes round... Like if Rob comes round and drops in sometimes, it's like, oh, Rob, will you make us a cup of tea? <laughs> See, we never say, oh, Rob, do you want a cup of tea? It's like, Rob, please, can you make us a cup of tea? <laughs> and he says it's because when he was training as a, as a brickie, he had to make, I think there was like 10 people a cup of tea, like four times a day. And he worked out one day that in a year it was like 10,000 cups of tea. <laughs> right. He's put the hours in. Yeah. <laughs> he just got it. Well, there's something for the traditional apprenticeship, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> oh, great. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Massive thanks again to Will. That is an excellent two-parter and uh, a bonus episode as well on the Patreon site. So, yeah, really got got my money's worth from him. I hope you enjoyed that. I I think you can clearly tell by the way I was laughing throughout the whole thing that I very much enjoyed it. I just wanted to talk really quickly about Heartwin. Uh, now, Heartwin is the company I started uh, to train the future natural builders in a way which made them more skilled and employable than the existing route into sustainable construction. Well, after three incredible builds, 26 students who built a whole house, uh, and one and a half wonderful apprentices, I have stepped down as a Heartwin director. Now, teaching on Heartwin was actually my absolute dream job, uh, and I worked very hard to create that job, um... And I've loved absolutely every second of it. The the pure joy in seeing people's skills develop and their confidence grow. And then the sheer number of students that are now employed as builders working in the sustainable building sector. It makes me so happy. What I didn't enjoy uh, was the actual running of the business and the constant feeling that there was too much to do and none of that stuff to do was related to to training or building it was all the the business stuff and then yeah if I did manage to take some time away from that I'd feel this constant guilt for not working Uh, and if I'm totally honest it completely burnt me out so Arif and Joe are continuing to run uh, Heartwin and they're taking it in a new direction and I wish them the absolute very best with it there's absolutely no bad feelings just yeah it's not a thing that works with my slightly obsessive brain um yeah and i'm i'm really hopeful that there will be some opportunities in the future for me to return as a teacher uh, and again do do that dream job um so i want to say about this podcast i don't know if anyone noticed but uh in around april there was a rebrand and uh, I took it away from being the Heartwind podcast and actually just to, to under my name. Um, I wanted to produce Building Sustainability uh, as a way of pushing myself uh, to learn and to continue to grow and, and yeah, really make connections with uh, the, the really exciting people 
uh, that are doing really great things. And so initially it made sense to put it out under Hartwin's name. Um, and as I say, I've taken it back with me now. It's it's under my name. And since February, I took a full-time job with the Bristol Wood Recycling Project, working with their volunteers, teaching. It's a, a really wonderful job where I get to make uh, furniture from reclaimed materials. Yeah, so since returning to work after lockdown, um, I have found it very hard, very hard, to edit and promote the podcast uh, in the evenings and the weekends while still maintaining some kind of a life. Uh, so I've just had my request to drop to four days a week at Bristol Wood Recycling Project accepted. And the aim of that is to spend one day a week focusing just on this podcast. I don't know, it might surprise you to to hear just how much time it actually takes uh, to schedule the interviews, uh, to research the person I'm talking to, to come up with some questions. Then there's the recording, then there's the editing, then there's the promoting, there's writing up all the show notes. It's, uh, yeah, it takes a long old time. It's at least probably a day and a half per episode. Um, So what does that mean? That means that I I need this podcast to earn a little bit of money to cover uh, its costs and a little bit of my time. So you may have noticed some adverts coming in. Uh, you're going to see a few more of those. Um, I'm only going to do advertising for companies I believe in. Uh, you won't see any Amazon or anything like that. Uh, but if you would like to advertise, um, drop me a line and we can discuss. I dearly, dearly love to utilise Lee John Phillips' fantastic logo that he did for us uh, on some T-shirts, you know, merchandise, stuff like that. But I am massively against tat. And knowing even the most ethical, fair trade, organic T-shirt takes 1,500 litres of water to produce. I just can't go down that route. I think that's the way that most... Most other podcasts make their their money is is by selling sort of merchandising stuff. So yeah, I'm really interested to know if anyone's got any suggestions um, around that. Whether there's like a super sustainable way that I haven't yet thought of. Um, so yeah, let me know. And the final way that I can make this podcast uh, pay for itself is through the Patreon site. And through that, you can pledge a small amount of money per month uh, just to help to pay for this podcast. Now, with that, I went against all of the recommendations um, and I made it as cheap as possible to support. And for that low price, you get all of the benefits. Um, I think you're supposed to go uh, with a tiered approach. Um, And I really didn't want to... I don't really feel good about putting things behind a paywall um so yeah i've tried to make it as as low as possible for you to to support so yeah if uh you do want to support this you can go to patreon.com forward slash building sustainability there's a bonus episode with will which may get released one day long way down the line i don't know probably um, but you also get to send me the questions that you'd like to hear from the next uh, interviews. Um, and it's sort of an, an open dialogue where you can um, feed back to me and, and get sort of more of the things you want on the podcast. So anything you can do to support uh, will help me produce more podcasts for you to enjoy. So hopefully that's a good incentive. Okay. <sighs> <sighs> words uh remember you can leave a voicemail uh directly to the show if you go to jefflinnaturalbuilder.com forward slash contribute you can leave a little message uh that we might use on the show i don't know if that's going to work we'll see uh otherwise make sure you subscribe leave a review or a comment or just tell your friends and i just wanted to finish uh with the thought that It is genuinely my pleasure to introduce you to such excellent people. Uh, I feel really uh, honoured that I can do that and share the the really great people I know with, uh, with a wider audience. That's it.
Thanks, everyone. Until next time. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.